Molson Coors is evolving from an alcohol beverage company to a beverage company. And this has meant transforming its business, its technology, and its ways of working. So in this episode of Tech Transformation, we're talking with Lindsay Wynn, VP Commercial IT Business Partner, and Ramki Krishnamurthy, Global Head of Enterprise Architecture, about what prompted the need for all of this change and getting a candid look at how it's going. We talk about what it's like measuring success in these new ways of working and what we can learn from our missteps. We also get into the weeds a bit to talk about cloud architecture and some of the other considerations they're taking into account. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RAS News, where we explore the innovative tech strategies and trends in retail and consumer goods. I'm Lisa Johnson, Editor-in-Chief of CGT. In this episode, I'm talking with Lindsay Wynn and Ramki Krishnamurthy of Molson Coors about their digital transformation journey. And we're going to talk a little bit about how it's helping them meet the shifting needs of today's consumers and what it's been like going through such a big business transformation. So Ramki, Lindsay, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Okay, so Lindsay, you're the VP of Commercial IT Business Partner at Molson Coors. Uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself and what that role means. For sure. So I, um, I sit in our Chicago office, which is primarily where our sales and marketing leadership team also sit. For the most part, my role is to lead a group of business partners. And we, are the, we sit between the business and IT and we make sure that the technical products and the technical projects that we are delivering meet the business needs and fit the strategy. So if one of my sales vice presidents updates the sales strategy, I wanna have a look at it, look at the technology strategy, make sure those things are actually coming together as one and review that so that those sales VPs and I are in lockstep. Same thing with the marketing leadership team. Recently, I've also helped uh, lead the cloud transformation program at Molson Coors, where we'll be resetting our managed services and also moving all of our traditional data center workload into the public cloud. Um, I've been in IT for about five years. I have a technical background. I'm an engineer. I have a business uh, master's degree, and I spent about five years of my time at Molson Coors outside of IT and then came in to start to bring my business knowledge and technical knowledge together to help deliver these transformative strategies for the, for the company. What were you, you said you've been in IT for five years. So what were you doing mm -hmm. before IT? So Molson Coors actually has uh, an internship program where they both uh, bring in undergrad and graduate interns. So I was coming out of my business degree. They hired me in as an intern into the strategy team. And I led the planning process for the sales organization. So setting distributor targets and sales targets. I moved into uh, brand planning. So how much Miller Lite are we going to sell and how much money are we going to spend to sell it and in what geographies? Ramki, welcome. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your role. Um, I'm head of global enterprise architecture. So um, my main accountabilities include understanding what our business strategies and priorities are and uh, building a holistic technology strategy in partnership with Lindsay and other business partners that we have supporting the various business functions. And um, that's my main accountability here at Molson Coors. And prior to here, I've been in IT for over 22 years uh, with broader focus being in the manufacturing vertical. 
So we're going to talk today, this, this show is tech transformation. We're going to talk today about also business transformation and how digital transformation can support it. So it means a lot of different things to different companies. So what does this mean for Molson Coors? Yeah, before I talk about Molson Coors specifically, I think it's important to clarify what digital transformation is and why is that such a key topic for all the enterprises today. Uh, transformation, as everybody knows, is synonymous to change. Uh, for example, if you take the, um, the mobile phones and how we have embraced it in the world the last 10 to 15 years, it's pretty much provided us the accessibility that's pretty much completely transformed how we live our lives, how we shop, how we go about entertaining ourselves, our lifestyles, our habits, and the consumer behaviors are more now geared towards how can I get everything then and there and instantly? So all these changes have also influenced about our lifestyles and consumer behaviors. And now if you look at the other end of the equation, companies like us will have to take advantage of that change that our consumer base and markets are undergoing. And we have to be nimble enough to modify our business processes in order to be relevant to cater to those markets and consumers. So that's what digital transformation is in general. And if you look at Molson Coors, I think we have made a shift in order to expand our markets and our consumer base. We have transformed from a beer company to a beverage company. And how we go about reaching to that consumer base is going to inform a lot of insights into how we want to go about impacting that change for our business. And uh, we want to study the trends and uh, understand our consumers better so we can cater to them better. So analytics and insights, as I said, has become an integral part of our business function. And that's going to inform how dynamic our business processes need to be to cater to this frequently changing market and our consumers. So all that is uh, easier said than done unless we are able to digitize our processes. And that's what is informing what digital transformation actually means for Molson Course. We are digitizing our capabilities. We are digitizing our business processes. And those are all some of the critical ingredients that's driving our transformation. Okay. I want to get a little bit into the weeds in just a bit um, with some of those things you mentioned. Um, but for now, I want to just take a little bit of a step back. A transformation, it results from challenges. Something was prompting a need for, for change. So, Lindsay, for Molson Coors, you know, what were some of those factors, you know, some of the business challenges that really pushed this need for change? Right. You know, I think it, there's there's layers of it, right? So, at the I think at the highest level, when you look at a company like Molson Coors, we have been around since the 1800s. And we've been making beer since the 1800s. And I think I was recently at a conference where they said, um, if you're a company that's that old, you didn't design any of your processes, you evolved into them, right? So these things kind of twist and turn and, and go all the way. And, and then they are the way they are. And people haven't gotten around to questioning it. Well, this is just the way we do distributor reimbursements, or this is just the way that we do incentives. And if you ask people, well, what would make it better? What do you want? They would tell you, oh, you know what? In this, in this screen, in this drop down, can you just add this value for this thing? 
And they'll suggest this incremental improvement because they're trying to, they take the process as a given. So sometimes when the technologists come in the room and we say, yeah, but guys, all the distributor reps have a, a smartphone in their pocket now, and we know where they're standing. Why would we even have a drop down? Why, why wouldn't we just, we know what store they're in and everyone gets, ah, and they get creeped out and they can't <laughs> believe it's possible. So I, I think the challenge for us is uh, one piece of it is getting people to think like a modern digitally native company when in fact we're not right. And we're very proud of our history and we're very proud of all of the products that we've made the same way for hundreds of years. So how do you preserve that pride and that culture and that ethos of the company while also saying, yeah, cool, but we're going to completely blow up that process and start over again because we can and we should. Um, the other thing that it's a bit more tactical is Romkey indicated we're turning into a beverage company. They're like, oh my gosh, how different could it be? But if you go out with one of our sales reps, it's incredibly different. So you're in a store and you're, you're in the beer section and you're building displays and you're filling shelves and you're making sure you've got pricing. Um, but even in the back of the store where they keep the beer overflow to fill the shelf from and they keep the non-beer product to fill the shelf from is different. And in some cases, you're walking around, where the heck are the energy drinks? Where the heck is the canned coffee? I don't even know where that is in the store. And it's different in every store. It's, it's just, it's taking those reps more time when they're out there to deal with this. And especially as these non-beer products are, are relatively small and growing, it's hard for those guys to spend the time on what they see as a small part of their portfolio. So from our technology perspective, how can we make that so easy, right? How can we remove the friction from that process and make it possible for them to service that store the way that in the speed they always have, even with this incredible breadth of products. So as the business changes, it's, it's taking this old way of doing things and trying to get people to clear their mind, handing them something completely new so that they can still do the job they've always done, but in a, a completely new way. Are you able to, to share an example of kind of how you maybe converted an unbeliever, a non-believer or, or maybe yeah. a skeptic in, in this process? Because, you, you know, there's so, always some who just don't believe that there's yeah. going to be change, but then you show it to them and, and they become right. almost your, your evangelists. Yeah, I think you've got to do a bit of it's, it's all education. It's 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 not even that. Well, I shouldn't say it's not hard. It's hard, but it's not it's not like I'm doing anything revolutionary. I had a we have a distributor portal. Right. And I. I don't know that the concept of a portal is necessarily a, a transformation in and of itself. What we had for our customers was an old SharePoint site. And I like to call it a SharePoint site on steroids. It was a SharePoint site and then we like applied a tremendous amount of duct tape and, and made it into a bit of a, a Rube Goldberg machine behind the scenes. And I wanted to replace it with a more modern, you know, CRM portfolio, a true, true portal where we were, it was one application where they could do their business with us. And I can remember talking to one of our sales VPs about it. And he was like, it's a website. Corp comms owns that. Sure, get them a new website. I was like, no, it's not a corp comms website. This isn't a static thing. We're talking about replacing a website with a software platform and it'll do all the stuff. And he was like, okay, I, yeah, corp comms owns that. I don't own that. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't quite get him to see the difference because to somebody who doesn't do this all the time, it was two websites. So I went to, um, it was a vendor presentation and it was actually United Airlines was there presenting to a group in a public setting and they were showing off, they had a B2B business portal that they had built. 
And I thought, this is it. This is it. This is the thing. This is what I want. So I, I got in touch with them through the vendor and said, are you okay if I show your presentation to my sales VP? And they were, of course, like, yeah, that's fine. So I showed it to him and it was this live demo and you could see how the customers were actually interacting with this website. They weren't just clicking on a static link. It was a piece of software. And he was like, oh, I get it. You know, so I think for me, it's, it's see the light bulb go off like, oh, I, I the light bulb yeah. goes off. I see now I understand. I can imagine this is, is our world. And for us in the beverage industry in particular, I think that there's some alk beverage companies doing some really cool stuff. But the coolest stuff is outside of our industry completely. So in some cases, I've brought in like wild stuff out of the left field, airlines, other places to to bring ideas to life for our leadership team. Well, that's a great idea. You know, we hear that often people really looking, we often hear them pointing to the, the automakers, for example, to see what the automakers mm. are doing to get inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People think beer is a special flower and it it's not. We look a lot like car, de- we look like car dealerships because you've got that middle tier. We look like insurance companies. Yeah. No one wants to say they look like insurance companies. So they're <laughs> innovation. We love you insurance companies if you're listening. <laughs> Um, Ramki, how does, so how does all of this relate to your cloud transformation program? For sure. I mean, in order to meet our transformation objectives, it's an absolute priority for us to reinvent or set our core capabilities. And that's almost instrumental for us to keep up with the rapid pace of change. And the cloud allows that. Why? There are many reasons. I mean, if you look at the speed of how quickly you can make decisions, and uh, enable your accelerated growth to market strategy. Uh, go to market strategy, that's main ingredient. Agility, you know, standing up capabilities in a much timely manner and not waiting for hardware shipments and the disruptions that's going on in the supply chain today, that's no secret. The scale, the elasticity in cloud just supports our operation demand. I mean, we don't have to buy a fixed commodity where it's just running on 100% horsepower just for 30 minutes a day. We are able to leverage some of the capabilities to optimize peak loads. And uh, that allows us to also focus a little bit more on um, not too much on the keep the lights on maintenance kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. repurpose our employees to focus and work towards uh, business value outcomes. And uh, last but not least, the economics of cloud. Uh, it's the right level and optimized investments in platforms uh, required by core demands and peak loads. Um, that's how cloud is being uh, such a critical foundational aspect of our overarching digital transformation. So, Lindsay, how did, how did you get started, though? I mean, what were when you were starting on this journey, what were the really the, the prerequisites? You know, what were the must haves that made you start to do this? I think. To, to truly start, like at the beginning, start, uh, you need some people who believe in it and you need a good use case, right? So one of the earliest things we did, and it's not the full-scale cloud stuff Ramki's talking about, but really moving some of our capabilities out of our own data center and into, a, into SaaS and taking advantage of software as a service and having some people who believe in it. Um, so we, ha- we had some successful little trials. Uh, we have... Um, something we used to call it smart skew it's currently called guided selling and it's it, there's some special sauce behind the scenes but effectively what we're doing is a rep walks into an outlet and based on what's going on in that outlet we make a recommendation of the best next product to get in that outlet 
And the first iteration of that initiative was two guys would fly to a distributor. They'd run some analysis on some magical spreadsheet that they would build. And then they would print out these paper packets. And in the morning, they'd show up when the sales reps did, and they'd hand out a paper uh, packet to each sales rep. That sales rep would go out and try and sell against those objectives. And then they would take data on which ones went in and did they outperform the other sales recommendations that got it. And they figured out it did. So we said, ah, let's digitize this. This is great. And so we built this thing um, in, in the first iteration. It was digital, but not so beautiful until it actually became a, a full-blown feature inside of our, our Salesforce platform. So I think to start, you have to have an innovative idea and you have to have some people who believe in it. You have to have a little pilot group and you just start. Like, you know, I think people who are waiting for perfection or waiting for the perfect thing, I mean, you hear it everywhere, but I'll tell you it's true. You can't value perfection over progress. You got to just go. So one of the never going to be it's never going to be pretty the no. first time. It's not. <laughs> no, we 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 have built some ugly things. We've built some really <laughs> ugly things, and we just keep going. And I think there's this, you know, and I'll catch people sometimes too because culturally, I'll get grief. We had uh, the marketing team went after a really cool idea, and a year later they scrapped it. And someone had made a comment like, I told you, you know, they were going to turn that off. And I was like, but they turned it off. They learned, they failed, they failed fast. This is what we're after. This is, this is what we want to embrace. And now they're on to the next thing. And that's how it should be. Right. So, cause I tell you, they went after that next initiative smarter. And, and, and so everybody says that, but to actually mean it and do it is harder. Do you have a process on, you know, sharing these learnings or is that something maybe you think that you could be better at or? Yeah, I think we could be better at it. I don't know, Ramki, what do you think? Do we, I, we're not procedural about our lessons learned. Yeah. People I don't walk think around with them, I think in their heads and they're using them probably yeah. on, on a personal basis, but I don't know that I, I share my mistakes with everyone, <laughs> but right. what I've learned, but, but we should, right? Because then that, then others can learn from them. For sure. Yeah, we, and we, we're lucky. I think people enjoy working in the beer industry. So we do have a lot of new people, but we have people who've been around for a long time. So it's a nice mix of fresh eyes and people who remember when. But that's also why we have a, a, a pub at work. You know, there's always yeah. opportunities <laughs> to go there and unwind at the end of the day and discuss about the lessons learned. And I don't know the downsides to remote work. Say that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was, it was hard to simulate the pub virtually. <laughs> Can't get too in deeper, then it starts to be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, Ram, I, I mentioned before, I wanted to get into the weeds a little bit. This, you know, this is kind of our sweet spot for our audience. Um, but when it, so when it comes to the cloud, what are some of the architectural consider, considerations that were taken into account? You know, what are you most mindful of? Sure. I think one thing that's extremely critical is uh, it's important to not do cloud transformation for the sake of cloud transformation. Uh, it's critical to understand some of the drivers that are calling for our overarching cloud transformation strategy. We need to have clearly defined outcomes, targeted timelines, which are extremely critical and it needs to be accounted for when you're starting to devise and build an architecture. And then the next big thing that everybody thinks about is, of course, what are our options when it comes to uh, public cloud service providers and what are their strategies? And how does that align with our organizational vision and strategy? Are there synergies there? Now, what are all some of the key differentiators between each of these cloud service providers? And uh, do we need to go 
single cloud or multi-cloud? And what are the pros and cons of both those approaches? And eventually, why would we go either one way or the other? Because in my experience, I've done both. Um, my previous organization, our strategy was to go single cloud because it made sense for a certain business purpose. And finally, a solid roadmap and a plan is very critical on how we want to go about executing the strategy because I think it's full circle only when, or full cycle only when you're able to uh, define your strategy and then execute on it to realize the value. And uh, doing all that in a timely manner that meets some of our business intended outcomes is extremely critical. And those are all some of the ingredients that goes into our uh, overarching cloud architecture. And you talked a little bit about getting synergy, getting alignment. So how do you build your business case? How do you get, how do you get the stakeholder alignment? So for, for the cloud project, cause this one's interesting. I mean, there's a couple of cases outside of cloud that I've worked on as well, but for cloud, I think step one is bringing some of your key decision makers into one-to-one -one meetings or very small meetings and making sure they understand what you really mean by cloud and where you're going with it. Because I think when you, you know, if you, if you approach a giant meeting of senior executives and you say, hey, we're going to the cloud, what do you think? Everyone's going to nod their head and they're not going to know that they really know what you mean, right? And it, it, it just, you know, How does this impact them? Yeah, what does this mean to you? You know, so for our supply chain leadership, it's been a lot about, hey, maybe not on day one, guys, but when we're operating in the cloud, we are really going to be able to reduce planned downtime. We're going to design some of the key systems with high availability, and we're going to be able to, to patch without an outage. That is minute for minute in our breweries. That's money, right? That is real money for them. You know, in, in places in the world where we're running our breweries at full capacity, taking them down to do a patch is very expensive. It's really easy for us to design nice high availability systems now. Um, I think when we talk to the commercial business, it's more about art of the possible at this point. So our commercial sales and marketing organization, the ones that I'm working with day to day, a lot of their solutions are out in the cloud already, right? They're with the mm -hmm. sales, they're in the Salesforce environment, they're, they're in other SaaS solutions. And so getting the what's in it for them is a little bit harder, but the cloud providers we've chosen have some really incredible out of the box capabilities that we're now gonna have easy access to. So for that one, I feel like, yeah, you know, I, I always make the analogy to moving into a, into a new house. So you move into a new house and I don't know, you have the swimming pool. You're like, that's cool. I don't really know what it's going to do for me. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I could throw pool parties every Friday, whenever I want, right? Like you, you've got to live there to understand what that's going to be. So I think for some of our commercial organization, it's more of a guys, this is going to open up possibilities. We're starting to understand them ourselves, um, but it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, but it's always about, I think, having these small meetings and, and having these small one-on meetings with some of the people in each organization that you know are going to benefit the most with their day job, getting them excited about it, getting them to research it and look into it, because then they're in their leader's ear as well, making sure the leader understands it. And then you can go to that big senior executive level and have that conversation because you've educated some of the people around the table and you've helped them understand this is what it can do. And look, our business case right now is... 
uh, in the short term, we are doing some lifting and shifting. I'll be honest about that. We're going to just pick up some stuff and we're going to dump it in the cloud and we're not going to re-architect it the way that we should. So we're going to have to take a second pass and go through and really unlock some of the benefits. So art of the possible is great. Limitless possibilities is great, but you do have to measure and record progress, right? So how are you measuring success, especially in the beginning? Yeah, well, right now we have to make sure we can get all the stuff to the cloud and we got to get it to the end of the cloud, by, into the cloud by the end of 23 and it's all out and it's all running, right? So the business is still running and we're still brewing beer and the world's still spinning. That's measure one of success. <laughs> oh, and we have a budget we have to hit too. Um, then we're going to start to set up some measures on things like let's reduce our planned downtime by X percent. Uh, let's reduce our unplanned downtime by X percent. Uh, how many cloud native capabilities have we deployed? So we're going to be looking at um, a time to deploy and shrinking that down. So for new projects, instead of taking six weeks to stand up a server, is it six days at first? Maybe it's six minutes at some point, right? So how can we start to now that we're there, change our processes and really start to measure our turnaround time um, in a meaningful way? Ramki, what do you what do you see as the future? What does it hold for the post cloud transformation project? Yeah, I mean, cloud is definitely an enabler to transformation. We spoke about that a little bit. It lays a foundation for reinvention of core systems. So I think the first priority is moving our core systems into the public cloud, and then the focus will shift to our breweries to the edge, and the considerations on the edge to cloud connectivity. Uh, and the advancements that's happening in the technology market right now is very much interesting and fascinating. Um, so hopefully it's going to allow us to interoperate a little bit more seamlessly between our edge sites, edge locations, and the public cloud. And um, that opens doors and creates opportunity to digitize our end-to-end -end manufacturing processes, uh, our operations. Um, the key insights that you can get in real time on what's going on in each of our breweries. That allows for better synergies and plannings. And I think the opportunities are endless. And uh, if you also look at how connected some of these enterprises can become at the edge, if we are able to connect our workers from all the breweries within and across our entire ecosystem, it just creates more opportunities for better collaboration, better planning, better cohesion among our workers, and um, I think the future looks extremely exciting for us. Lindsay, do you agree? Absolutely. It's going to be fun. And, it, you know, I don't know how fun it's going to be. I got to be there so I can completely understand it. But <laughs> uh, well, I have one final question. Uh, it's a little bit of a fun one. This is going to be our Thanksgiving episode. So I would like to know in your household, what's the Molson Coors product that you're bringing to Thanksgiving this year or that you're going to have on your table if you're hosting? Uh, Lindsay, why don't you go first? All right. So I am a Midwest girl. I've always lived in and around the Great Lakes. There's always Miller Lite in my house. Always, 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 <laughs> always Miller Lite. So just like milk, right? It's a pantry staple. That's right. Uh, there was, I shouldn't even do this. There was a product Kugel's made called uh, Big Eddie Russian Imperial Stout. It was like syrup put it in the most delicious way. You could age it for a year. I wish I still had a bottle of that. Uh, and then we've got a really nice uh, Kugel's porter that is delicious and I would I will definitely have at my table. Nice. All, all sound fall friendly. Mm -hmm. Ramki, how about you? Oh, Miller Lite is definitely a must. And uh, outside of that, um, 
I think we have a couple IPAs that I tend to enjoy quite a bit. Um, Lemon Haze from Lemon Kugels. That's one of my favorites. And we also have some craft with Bubble Stash. Uh, I think those are my top two favorites, and I'll make sure I'll have it for friends and family for Thanksgiving. That's great. Ramke, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining Tech Transformation. Uh, It's been fantastic having this view into your journey. I really appreciate all this insight you're sharing with our audience. Thank you. Thanks for having us over. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit rasnews.com and consumergoods.com to sign up for our newsletters.